0: Howdy, and minus three in downtown Calgary. Good morning. From Global News, it's nine o'clock. I'm Jeff Smith. A Calgary City Councillor is hoping to tackle an issue that came up during the campaign, street racing. Ward 10's Andre Chabot is bringing forward a notice of motion, hoping to look at ideas like a sanctioned racing event.
1: What options are there? Other than, you know, private sector creating a race track, is there something we could do maybe in an industrial area? a sanctioned event that we charge for, so there's no cost to the city to provide that outlet.
0: Chabot says drivers with fast cars have been lacking a place to show them off since Race City Speedway closed. Protecting your deliveries, that's ahead, but first, 770 CHQR helicopter traffic. I am taking
2: a look at 17th Avenue on Crowtown Trail, where the ongoing bridge work has ceased for a little while. Both sides of the road are finally open. Double the barrel deal that Save On Foods with Sugar Dale Smoke Town, but or shape, Bone in just 195 per pound. Or green seedless grapes, just 199 per pound. From the 770 Seed Traffic Helicopter, I'm Vanessa
0: Arate. Rescue crews are using heavy equipment to move the wreckage at a candle factory in Kentucky that was flattened by a powerful tornado. 110 people were working overnight Friday when the storm hit. Only 40 of them have been rescued so far. Mayfield Fire Chief Jeremy Creason says search teams worked all night. The candle factory
1: is a very complicated uh, rescue situation, uh,
3: and and so it it takes a lot of time. We've got a lot of heavy equipment, a lot of personnel.
0: Uh, We're dealing with tons of steel and metal that's uh, twisted and mangled. The official death toll across five states is 36. It's the season of giving, and Alberta RCMP is offering tips uh, for receiving mail and preventing packages from being taken if you shop online but might not be home for delivery. RCMP Constable Sherry Lee Smith suggests having it sent to the post office instead. When mailing something like cash or a gift card, Smith suggests using a larger box or a padded envelope.
2: Gift wrap is kind of calling out to this as a gift. and If you're making it a little bit less obvious of a packaging, something you know you've got the opaque wrap or the brown typical mailing package, it makes it harder for somebody to know what's inside there. Less
0: desirable. She also suggests installing a doorbell cam. There's a global race on to secure manufacturing commitments for electric vehicles and the supply chains to match. Major U.S. auto companies have made some big spending promises, But industry players say Canada still has a lot of work to do to build up the rest of the supply chain. Matthew Fortier, head of Industrial Alliance Accelerate, says the country can't delay anymore as competition increases. Global News SkyTracker weather, partly cloudy today with a 60% chance of flurries, high minus 2. Down to minus 12 tonight, tomorrow becoming cloudy with a chance of flurries again, high minus 5. Snow on Tuesday, high of just minus 14. It's minus 3 in 9.03, breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled update at 9.30. I'm Jeff Smith. This Grey Cup report is brought to you by Valentine Volvo and Volvo Auto at Royal Oak. He won't be on the field later today, but there is one name on the minds of many Tiger Cat fans. His name? Angelo Mosca. When the Cats last won the Cup in 1972, it was the larger-than-life Mosca's last CFL game. Sadly, Mosca passed away earlier this year. Steve Milton is columnist for the Hamilton Spectator and has written books on the legend of Mosca.
2: He represented what Hamilton kind of stood for, tough. But he legitimized that toughness. He legitimized on-the-edgeness. that a town had already had. I mean, this was a tough town and a, and a tough team before he got here in 1958.
0: So should the Cats win, many Hamilton fans will credit Mosca for instilling that tough team spirit. I'm Mark Stephen from Hamilton, and that's your Great Cup Report for Valentine Volvo and Volvo Auto at Royal Oak, selling Calgary's safest cars for over 70 years.
4: good morning and welcome to let's Talk gardening and we are sitting on december the 12th and we actually have some a little bit of snow which is actually kind of nice it sort of cleans it up gives it that christmas feel i know we've been having christmas down at the garden center since about uh, mid-october or so and we start setting it all up and and getting going and uh and it, uh, it, it, I'll be honest, it, it feels like the Christmas spirit when you're inside the store, lots of great stuff. But once you go outside, we've been having that nice warm weather and uh, no snow. And, uh, but now with this, it uh, definitely brings it a little closer. And we're only like, what is it? Like t- f- 13 days away. Crazy. Less than two weeks. Um, and then that's Christmas Day. And I will be here. I guess I will be here on the Boxing Day. We'll be doing the show live, so um, we can talk about all the fun stuff that's going on. And this time of year, what we're going to chat about is uh, we're going to do some tropical plant stuff. We'll do the seasonal plants with Jen. She's going to call in. And we have Myrna Pierman um, from Chinridge um, Birdseed. She, they're going to call in, and we're going to chat about uh, our little feathered friends throughout the winter, which is... Uh, Always a popular topic, so if you have some questions and things you'd like to join me, um, you can call in at 403-974-8255, and that is the talk and text line, so um, we'll be answering texts as well, and uh, so feel free to send me pictures, give me a shout, whatever you like to do. Um, Phone calls are always good, easier to get in at this time of year. Um, compared to when you're trying to call in in July. I always feel bad sometimes through the summer. We have so many callers and it's hard to uh, to get through and I can't always answer all the questions. So at this time of year, I'm able to get through most of them and we have a little more time to uh, answer your questions. 403-974-8255. I'm going to talk about some propagation. Um, a lot of people like to do that over the winter time when you get ready to start cutting your plants down. And uh, if you've got your geraniums inside, you're sort of growing them as house plants, things like that. So we'll be doing a few of those segments throughout the the winter as well. And uh, one thing, again, I've talked about before is the snow farming. Um, This time of year, if you're shoveling off the driveway and things of that sort, and into your shrub beds and and, uh, around your tree. But just try not to bury the trunk of the tree too much. If you put it around the tree, just pull it away from the trunk. Um, cause then that way the mice don't feel so safe crawling up the side of your tree, um, and chewing up all the bark and things like that. So it's always better if you, if you want to do that. And just want to chat about Christmas trees again. Um, there is a shortage, um, in Calgary. Most of the lots are empty. I just got our update. We, we have 43 left, um, and we did do more of a natural tree. We didn't do the sheared Christmas tree. We went um, more natural spruce, um, Douglas fir this year. So um, it, it's actually pretty nice, So, um, but they are different if you're looking at perfect or so-called perfect Fraser fir. We didn't do those this year. The farm we are dealing with was dealing with some gypsy moth issues and then logistics. So I decided just to go local and support a local farmer and it's worked out really well. And uh, like I said, we have about 43 trees left. So um, I know we get uh, one of our most popular calls throughout the day is, do you have trees? And I just want to thank everybody coming out yesterday for our Santa and, and a reindeer. And we also have Elsa and we did have rip there, and they'll all be back today. We're going to do it one more day here. And uh, so feel free if you if come down. We were able to squeeze in quite a few walk-ins into to see Santa and the reindeer. It was awesome. We had a couple of real big, a uh, couple of the guys have grown some pretty big antlers this year. So um, pretty awesome to see them with Santa sitting by a sleigh. And you're able to sit right in Santa's sleigh, and uh, Santa will be beside you. And you get a great picture. And, uh, so anyways, if you'd like to join us down at the garden center today, we'll be doing that again today. And he always brings a few extra reindeer just, uh, so everyone can see them and things. So it's pretty cool. I'm just going to go to the phone line and we're going to bring Jen up as we do every Sunday morning. Good morning, Jen.
3: Hello, Merle. How's it going? It's going good. What, yeah. a,
4: what a great day yesterday.
3: Can you believe that? I know I'm still, uh. I think I'm still buzzing from that. I was, I was thinking maybe I was tired this morning from yesterday, but I think I'm still in the buzz mode. <laughs> I know, actually,
4: I know I was uh, pretty excited. I, I see, and I, and I'm not a sleeper inner. But I, I must have been <laughs> no tired. Long day and then I like I, wake up, I look at my clock, it's like eight oh seven. I'm like, Oh my god,
3: Oh, <laughs> that's late for you. That's like lunchtime. <laughs> I know.
4: I I wow. was just like what, what's going on. I did go to the hockey game last night, so maybe that's why I was fun. Up.
3: Oh, you had a full day. Yeah, yesterday yeah. Was, it was it was so fun and it was very energetic. It was very uplifting, I would say. Um people were so grateful and uh just having fun with it and the kiddos were it was so great to see kiddos and, oh. and just Oh, yeah, and, and just
4: a big shout out to Starbucks and Sobies who did help us out um, supplying and Wallace and Carey. Absolutely. Supplied us with all those great treats and fresh hot coffee. So we'll have that again today. So That's awesome. Um,
3: yeah, yeah, we're ready. We're ready. We're with, so ready. With a little
4: bit of snow now, it's going to add that little bit of a magical. Santa was phenomenal. Eh? Watching Santa. him fly in and yeah. brought his reindeer down.
3: Wasn't that? And I just heard you mention too about the the antlers. That's that was that was fantastic. I don't know which reindeer that was, but uh, right, we, you and I were talking about yeah. <laughs> the names. I don't know which was which out there, but oh my god, <laughs> that was just, just he, cool.
4: He, he has one that always doesn't make it in. Um, the <laughs> his name is Trump, and he, but he's he's great with the people. He's the guy who falls asleep on Santa's lap. He's kind of a fill in sort of thing. And, oh, uh,
3: Maro, oh moral.
4: Blitz and alias Trump. <laughs> um, so, so swing it
3: back around.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. No kidding. That's oh, place yeah. No, go. it
3: was uh, it was great, and and Rip uh, was getting some great attention out there too. Get people getting photos, and again, husband getting Elsa. Elsa. Oh, yeah. Well, that was what I because Elsa was with us in the greenhouse. So yes. Um. Yeah. So it was so fun to watch that. Uh, Elsa's fantastic.
4: We um. They were wondering why we didn't have Elsa outside, because she likes to make it frozen. But we thought we'd let her warm up with the little girls that want to visit her. So, she's always outside in her frozen place, so we thought we'd let her warm up. So I think she was kind of appreciative of that for a change for her, because okay, she's so. usually freezing everybody up
3: yeah. <laughs> in her little well, magical well, wonderland. It's the only way we could get snow inside is if we had Elsa there, right?
4: So Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. It was Yeah, uh, and it's so funny. Some of the little girls, they didn't, you want to see Santa? Nope. Where's Elsa?
3: <laughs> it's true. It's very they run, true.
4: They run in and see Elsa. And, yeah. Uh, and yeah. Elsa's raising money for a friend of hers and a family member that has CF. So cystic, cystic, cystic fibrosis. fibrosis. Yeah. Yeah, so you can make a donation there if you get a picture with Elsa.
3: Yeah, people were so, so generous yesterday, too. It was, um, absolutely, it was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. The jar
4: was full of bills, which was very sweet. It
3: was very nice. And
4: uh and uh, we're gonna match that at Spruce It Up. So we're yeah. gonna, so whatever they do, we will we're gonna match that dollar amount and uh and make a nice donation to that uh, great fund and uh Cool. Which is dear to our heart with um one of our one of our okay. long term great team members, Chris, who does all the arrangements. Her and my wife Carolyn are Pumping those arrangements out like crazy, and then Chris runs the the elite gardening crew in the in the summertime. So it's uh, it's it's nice when we can find things that are close to our team too that we support. So
3: yeah, it's important to sure. us. Chris down there, so, she was already she was working before I was this morning. She's already pumping them out. So and and <laughs> on that note too, I, I uh, you were mentioning Christmas trees. We still have a lot of greens as well, and, and green arrangements. Um, Chris made some last year because I grabbed one, but she's got some this year too for your, your table inside, right? You don't want to make them too early because they don't. Yeah. But um, some of the ones that she made, I know we made one for the store here. It lasted longer than we thought it would even. So um, so they're, they're still here. But there's lots of stuff to, to come in and see, and people are loving it.
4: And all the arrangements that the ladies do make, we do treat them with, um, wilt Proof, um, Val, who works with the ladies in prepping the pots and, and does oh, yeah. the finishing touches, she does all the treatment of the Wilt Proof. She but does. that Wilt Proof, it makes such a difference, like those arrangements. And then especially even if you're doing it at home on your own, make sure you pick some up. Um, you spray it on and it's an anti-desiccant. So um, if you bring those greens into your house, um, they they won't dry out like that. They'll just stay nice and moist for a long, like tripled the time. So
3: yep. yeah. Valerie's very specific about that. She makes sure that gets done.
4: So yeah, soak yep. some in. I know I I moved a few. I was putting some in a car yesterday for a customer, and after I didn't have my gloves on or nothing, I just you, you, you get that wax feeling on your <laughs> on your hands. <laughs> now you're isn't?
3: anti-desiccated. You're fine. Yeah, my, my, all winter, my, Merle. My,
4: my hands have never been softer. So. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. maybe maybe we could we can sell that in there too. We'll we'll we'll, we'll spray people's hands with we'll, wilt we'll proof and well, for I'm hats, my face. skin softening. I don't know
3: this winter. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works. Like they
4: do, in, like they do in the mall, right? When you walk through the mall and the and the ladies are sometimes there with that with that cream. They go, oh, here's this special Just cream come from people with willproof.
3: <laughs> 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 Hey, um, really quickly, too, I know we've been getting some comments on the social media, because I know we have somebody who's been keeping everybody up to date on what's going on, including the sittings for Santa. So I just wanted to throw a shout out to Lisa. She is the one who's actually running that social media almost exclusively. And she she has all those ideas. She's on top of it. She's answering things. And so, yeah, so shout out to Lisa. She's doing a killer job.
4: Absolutely. And she added some more spots to that. it was going quicker than we had planned because we didn't want to jam them in so tight where it was too tight. But yeah. we did find we'd had some a little extra time yesterday, so we added some spots today. If you want to to go to our eventbrite, and that's you can find it on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. And it's an event but you could buy your tickets. And if you don't buy them, you can we can try to squeeze you in on a walkthrough. But if you want to secure a time, you can go to our eventbrite. And do that as well. So easy,
3: easy.
4: yeah, yeah. So um, let's let's maybe touch on a few plants since okay. this is a gardening show.
3: Yeah,
4: and um, so poinsettias. Poinsettias. Um, you've you've had it sitting in your house for a long time, say for a week or so, and you have that foil wrap, and you keep pumping water in the pot, Oof. and yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> Oh, that stressed um, what, me out just thinking about that. I
4: know. So what, what, sh- what how should we look after our <laughs> poinsettia?
3: Well, I mean, if you really love that foil wrap, that's fine. But when you're watering your poinsettia, I would take that off so you can watch the water drain through. Otherwise, if you leave it sitting on the pod and you water, there's a good chance you have a good puddle sitting at the bottom there because it will hold that water. And um, you're going to flood those roots with, with wet and kill your plant.
4: Absolutely. And they're one that they wilt when they get too wet right like fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. So it, and it and I've seen it so many times where people that oh no it's wilting. So they add more water.
3: Yeah. They sure.
4: <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's just soggy. And yeah, it just and but it's they're hot
3: mess. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So they're they're a cactus. Um so you can let them dry out almost to the point where they're just starting to droop just a bit. Similar like a piece of you could use it like an indicator plant. Mm-hmm. It'll just, just just the leaves will go down a little bit and that's the perfect time to water your poinsettia.
3: Yeah, they get a and, little moody. And it's okay to, to let them do that. I mean, not all the way flat, but yeah, you're right. No,
4: just a just, little. Just, yeah, just, a just little. that little bit of, little wilty. It's because <laughs> it's so easier to add water. Once you get them too wet, it's really hard to take them away.
3: True Like story. you can't
4: get the water yeah. um, out of it, um, I guess, unless you uh, <laughs> go out there and uh, and squeeze the squeeze the pot maybe.
3: I guess you could do that. I don't know how well that would work, bro. The
4: Charmin commercially. Yeah. Squeeze in the, <laughs> squeeze in the poinsettia. I'm still
3: stuck um, on the wilt proof and spring people coming in, but we won't, we won't. But I just we, like that idea. Yeah. To
4: make sure Val doesn't. Make sure Val didn't take that to heart. <laughs> that if you're <laughs> he walking by Val and people. Chris.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah. I'll, absolutely.
3: I'll yeah.
4: Um, but and don't be afraid if you are doing your own greens. We do have the full selection of of pine, spruce, cedar. Um and lots of the bling the the mm-hmm. this what do you call those things like we have the birch sticks, you... um the picks, sorry, okay. like the berry yeah. picks and and things like that, so we have but don't be afraid to go in the back and just ask Chris. she loves to share her knowledge and uh her great design For ability sure. to um share with you to give you some advice on building your own because that's that's a lot of fun I know Lisa. Loves that when people send in pictures on our Instagram when they share mm-hmm. what they've taken home and they and they've done it and it's uh, and it's it's just nice to see. So, but if you need a little help, a little advice, because sometimes you be a little intimidated, you just want to do that. Um, yeah. Just don't be afraid to to do that. Yeah. So, I, actually, I just got a picture. Someone just sent me says, "Hey, Merle, you'll huh? have to expand to see the big buck that was down the street from you yesterday in oh. Shaughnessy. He got my phone yeah, This his big, huge buck. Was really? cruising through. Uh, he must have been getting a little jealous he heard the reindeer were down there. Maybe <laughs> he was going to head down to, to spruce <laughs> it up.
3: He was looking. He needed the map. We changed the road, so maybe that. Yeah, it. he's
4: applying for a job with Santa. Sorry, yeah. I mean, we don't take whitetails. It's only reindeer. Sorry.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, no, a great picture, and that was sent in by Chris J. Night. So um, thanks for thanks Good for shot. sharing with us. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just got a text. Is SIU dog friendly? Absolutely. Early.
3: Ever. Yeah.
4: Except for today, Except um, for, you can bring them yeah. in the store.
3: Yeah.
4: Um, but do please do not take them anywhere near the reindeer outside. Um, so when you come to the store, don't go to your left or to your south. Because um, Santa and the reindeer out there, and they can smell the dogs, and we just mm-hmm. don't want them getting all... Excited, so right, uh, but, for the story
3: inside,
4: yeah, we love the dogs when they come in yes, for a visit. <laughs> we do, um, have them up, obviously on a leash and stuff. A couple dogs got loose yesterday in the parking lot, a couple, oh. and they were just like, Oh my god, I'm free. I'm just like, Please don't go towards the reindeer, yeah. please. Don't. So, but the lady she just seen it, she goes, Hey, and it was just amazing. Like, it's just so good to see a well trained dog. Oh, yeah, like, these dogs, like as like, soon as she just like she just like snapped her fingers almost and they just uh, had at attention awesome. bam, back in the truck and it's just like
3: awesome
4: because because they were like oh my god i'm out this is right. awesome <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
4: yeah party party so i was a little bit uh a little bit worried with that uh um going on but uh well, I in the parking lot hour. so yeah, yeah. that's awesome. no I go, "Whose dog?" She goes, she looked at her truck her door was open. "Oh my god, those are my dogs." Oh. <laughs> um, so lots of excitement down at the garden center always.
3: Always. Stuff
4: that and you don't you don't yeah. think that's is going to happen. Um so what other kind of Christmas plants that that you guys got cuz I I go through there and I just think, "Oh my god, like these are you have lots of great little plants." So yeah, what what other so kind cute. of things do you guys well, got?
3: Those classic, the zygo cactus or the Christmas cactus is what we have in right now. So those, bl- those blooming ones are all about to bloom or in bloom right now with various colors. We have lots of little cypress in different sizes and holly, uh, winterberry. And, you know, I have to say it's been more than one customer too. They've been planting a lot of the greens together. So like the holly and the cypress and the winterberry, which is looking really pretty in those lower bowls. We have some new ones out, but we've got others as well. But a low bowl for their dining table and so people have been with little you know their own picks kind of sticking in there and that's what people have been doing so for hey, those yeah
4: hey jen can you hang out for just a bit i'm just going to take a quick break and then we'll we'll finish up with a few more um christmas plants after the break you bet if, all right all right jen and i are just going to take a quick break and uh, when we get back we'll continue chatting about christmas plants. if you want to join us. Phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's Christmas destination. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And I'm going to go back to Jen. Um, so Jen, you were just you were talking about some of the little plants that you have in like they're in four inch pots.
3: Yeah. <coughs> some of the
4: Christmas plants.
3: Yeah, even um, some of the two inch too, right?
4: Yeah. Yeah. So, and I like what you were just saying, you can create your own little planters with them if you like.
3: Oh, it's adorable. But- yeah, they, yeah. They, um, it's been fun kind of watching them. People are, it depends. you know. I, I've seen lots go out as gifts as well, and people are kind of getting a fun pot, and then just putting a single cypress in there. It looks so pretty, and it's so easy. And then I've had some ladies come in looking for um, just their own indoor decor for a tabletop. And just creating that. And it's just with the different um, colors, especially with the holly. And a gentleman in as well. He was just reminding him of another place that he lived. And, and so they're just creating these kind of green arrangements. Really nice.
4: And you have, uh, if we do run out of trees, which we might today or tomorrow, um, you do have some Norfolk Island pines.
3: We do. Yeah, those are fun and soft as well. And those are inside the, the greenhouse. So you want them indoors. You don't want them outdoors. Um, but, yeah, we do have some Norfolk Island pine. We have them in the 4-inch pots as well as the 10-inch pots.
4: Well, nice. So yeah. if, you, if you want to continue to grow that. <clears throat> I know and people have asked um, if we do the live um, Christmas trees, and I, I think you and I, I think it was us that talked about it. Um, you can't do it in Calgary because if you bring the tree in, and, mm-hmm. and that's the, it's a good thing about the internet and also the bad thing. Sometimes we see things that aren't for our area. And so in warmer climates like Vancouver, you can do it. You can bring it inside
3: mm-hmm.
4: for the couple of weeks, enjoy it. And then they take it back. There's some businesses out there that will rent you a tree. And then you take it back it's and tight. then it grows and you can bring it back the next year. Just in Calgary, when you bring them in and they start growing, and then if you were to take them outside and you're going to get a minus 20, like we're going to have all those needles of this crispy, they'll just fall right off and, Yeah. Like that broken glass thing, like the Charlie Brown when he hangs the last (laughs) thing on there and all the needles fall off. (laughs) Um, Charlie Brown. I know. Absolutely. All right. Well, Jen, thank you so much. And if you want to see Jen and the ladies, Santa, Elsa, Rip, Reindeer, we got it all going down, down, and spruce it up today. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, all right. Thanks, thanks, Jen. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And if you like to join me after the break, four hundred three, nine seven four, eight two five five, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on seven seventy CHQR.
0: Cloudy and minus six in downtown Calgary. Good morning from Global News. It's nine thirty. I'm Jeff Smith. 10 Councillor André Chabot says street racing is a growing issue that needs to be addressed. He's bringing forward a notice of motion calling for a police crackdown, but he also wants to explore options such as providing an outlet for fast car owners through a sanctioned racing event. Rescuers are combing through fields of wreckage from Friday night's devastating tornado outbreak in the U.S., Midwest, and South. The death toll stood at 36 across five states, but officials fear more than 100 may have died. A Harvard professor from the former Soviet Union says he has a solution to help fix Canada's already struggling healthcare system and that it's already working in Ontario. Eugene Litvak says asking Canadian surgeons to work weekends would ease the hospital's surgical backlog. Partly cloudy today with a chance of flurries, high minus 2, down to minus 12 tonight. Tomorrow, increasing cloud with a chance of flurries, high minus 5, snow and minus 14 on Tuesday. It's minus 6. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news at 10. I'm Jeff Smith.
4: Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs, and Myrna is going to be calling in here shortly, and then we're we're going to be talking birding for a little while. So if you'd like to join us, we will take your calls, and uh, you'll be able to join Myrna and I, and uh, we'll be able to answer all your questions, as she is a great resource for all Things Birding, so uh, if you'd like to join us, phone lines will be wide open, 403-974-8255. And that is the the talk and text line. Um, got another great picture of some deer um, overlooking. He goes, overlooking my my bird feeders. And he has, I uh, <clears throat> noticed said he has a little bit of a barrier on top of the chain link fence to keep the deer from jumping into his yard. And uh, it's just a great little shot. This buck is sitting on the other side of the of the fence, looking in. That is uh, looking <laughs> at his feet. So um, it's pretty cool looking. So I always appreciate when everyone shares that kind of stuff with us. It's a, it's quite nice. So I do appreciate that a lot. And uh, like I said, um, Myrna will be joining us for that. And a couple other things that if you're looking at. Um, doing some, some things throughout the winter is uh, deciding if you need trees or what you want to do in your backyard. Cause days like this are perfect when you go out into the backyard. Cause <clears throat> when actually um, my wife and I were out for a walk the other night, and we came back in the back gate and typically we have these cattails in the back of our back along the back fence. And in the winter they've just died back. So I didn't realize how empty this large spot is so at this time of year is when you really notice some of those areas and unfortunately we got december january february march sort of april we have the next five months with no leaves so these are the kind of times if you do want to add a little privacy or a little accent maybe evergreen here or there um maybe a nice mountain pine or things like that right now is a great time to get that plan together and you look And you can also, um, Conrad, who we have on our team down at Spruce It Up, he is a graduate landscape designer out of Guelph University. He's phenomenal. Knows the plants very well. And so if you'd like to uh, book a consultation with, with Conrad, he'd be more than happy to come out and work on your design throughout the winter. And we do do the full 3D renderings which is really nice. He can fly you through your yard after the design. You kind of see what's going on. Um, it makes it a little easier than trying to, because not everybody can read the blueprints and understand what's going on. So um, Conrad will be able to take you through a 3D virtual design, which is a, a pretty cool thing to do if you're if you're looking to, to add to your yard or if you have a new uh, blank canvas that you're just starting out. Um, don't be afraid to uh, give Conrad a shout. He'd be more than happy to work with you. Right now we're gonna pull Myrna onto the phone line. Good morning, Myrna.
5: Good morning, Merle. How are you today?
4: I'm doing good. So, um one quick question. Yes. Um, the snowfall, is it good for birds or is it harder for birds?
5: Well, you know what? These birds that survived the winters in Alberta have survived here for millennia, so they're just fine.
4: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and does it help, them to drink? Like, do they eat it for water or anything like that?
5: Well, they can eat snow. They have, they're well-adapted to eat snow, but they will drink water if they can find it. And so I often see at my place, I have some springs in front of my house, little chickadees and other birds are drinking there. So you can put out a heated bird bath. They will come and drink at it for sure. takes less energy to have a sip of water than to take a gulp of snow and have that you know, snow melt inside their system. Yeah, so, well, yeah they will that, the reason I was,
4: of it. Yeah, the reason I was asking is because um, Santa has us as assistants for him because he's busy with the kids and stuff like that. We, um, Brad's out there filling the buckets with snow every hour, kind of on the hour. To ensure that the that the reindeer have moisture and water to eat, so they just oh. love eating the snow. They get so excited. Like he comes in with these buckets of snow, <laughs> and Brad's putting them out, and these reindeer, they they get so pumped up. They think they're getting a big treat. And they they and shove they their get face. Yeah, but they, oh. but they know what it is. They like it, and they just uh, they just stick their face <laughs> in there and they eat up that snow. And
5: well, there, you go. Them, there yeah, you go. There you go. Yeah, which
4: so. Uh, yeah, so I was just wondering, as just sitting here about thinking, the birds, yeah, yeah, is it is it similar? Like, is it beneficial for them? Because um, it's been so dry without any moisture, and would this be a a perk or a or a hindrance? So,
5: no, I would say it it would be a perk. Now, the thing about Calgary, of course, is you've got all the open rivers, so it's not like water is a they they can't find water. Yeah, but, yeah, they will eat snow. I have made many observations of several species eating snow
4: okay so they're happy
5: to have the snow they're used to the snow
4: awesome and i'm just going to let everybody know who you are i sort of jumped right to a question so it's (laughs) myrna pierman and she's a resident naturalist and backyard birding expert and you and you work with the company chinrid siege which we carry in our store which is awesome Mm -hmm. um and you've been doing birding for for a long time
5: i have many decades it is truly my life's passion.
4: It's nice when you can, and I'm the same way, like I've been in the garden center business um, since I was 13 working at, uh, down at Sunnyside down and growing up in Bowness and sort of been in the business my whole life and I spent 15 years out on a private estate, so I kind of know when you find a passion yeah. that you like, um, it's, you become quite fortunate. and uh, Very, it, it's
5: very fulfilling to live your passion, absolutely.
4: Yeah, so <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. At this time of year, what do we, we want to make sure, a couple of things we can do just to ensure that our birds are going to do well?
5: Well, the first thing, so I always, when I give talks about naturescaping or biodiversity or bird feeding, I always start with the whole concept of habitat. So in order to attract wildlife, in order to support biodiversity, we need to provide habitat, which is space within which creatures can find food, water, and shelter. Yeah. We've already kind of talked about the water thing, so they're fine to eat snow, but they will come into water. But food is critically important. Now, we so offering good supplemental food, the high-quality food like Chinridge has, is the number one thing. So sunflower seeds, shelled or unshelled. Peanuts, shelled or unshelled. Suet, you can put out just a hunker off that, or you can buy those little suet cakes, put them in the little dispensers. Or you can actually just get some lard and some peanut butter as well. Mix it all up together and just put it out on suet logs. I'm just watching a hairy woodpecker here at my house devouring that mixture on the suet log. So,
4: so, so would you heat important. that up first a bit? Like, Would you put that in on a small pot and, or into a pot and heat up and kind of make it go together? And, no, then you let don't.
5: It... Just make sure it's room temperature. <laughs> uh, just have okay. the peanut butter at room temperature and the Crisco or the lard at room temperature and just mix them together. And, of course, you have to apply it when it's warm, and then it freezes very quickly, and the birds love it.
4: Okay, they what really is lard? What is lard? Is it just fat, or what it's is fat. it?
5: fat, yeah, rendered fat. Yeah, it tends to oh, okay. like, you know, they use for pies. Yeah. Now, there are some people that feel that the vegetable shortening, Crisco, is not really healthy, but lard, which is the pure fat, is certainly healthy for them.
4: Okay. And when you do these little things, you get rewarded so much, With the birds that come into your yard, right? You create that reality TV, I like to call it, (laughs) um, in your backyard, looking through the window rather than watching um, the Bachelor. You can watch the
5: the (laughs) woodpeckers outside, the birds, yes,
4: yeah, which is Um, I I would say is much more entertaining and better for your soul.
5: (laughs) I would say much more fulfilling, yeah, much more fulfilling. So we talked about food. Now maybe we should just talk about shelter. Yes. Because it is winter, and shelter is super important. So if you look out your, in your yard on a beautiful sunny day, you'll see that the little chickadees and the woodpeckers are, can be high up in the trees. They're feeding in, the, in their winter territories. So even though you have the birds come to your backyard bird feeding station, that's not their only food source, right? Birds are smart. They have large winter territories. And so they'll be happily feeding in the high treetops. But when the wind comes along, then that's a different story. It's so cold for them. They yeah. all drop down and they will feed lower. And so this is where shrubs come in. Shrubs are very, very important because they will provide that shelter from the, the elements. Now I'm watching No, a that makes
4: 60- total sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
5: So it's good if you can have a coniferous tree or two in your yard because the tight form of course, cuts the wind and birds will will hunker in there if it's not too cold out. If it's really, really cold, they'll go under the snow. But they will hunker into a spruce tree. And I actually just, before I went on air with you, I was thinking, oh, yes, if people have their Christmas trees, they buy a Christmas tree, if it's a real tree, when you're done with it, take all the tinsel and stuff off it and put it out beside your backyard bird feeding stations because the birds will use it. It'll be a perfect source of shelter.
4: Yeah, I remember like, it was five or six years ago when you were on with me um, and we were chatting, I remember us talking about that, trying to create some habitat um, for for the birds if you didn't have anything and and you suggested we put our trees yeah. outside after you take them out and, yeah. and you get to procrastinate a, a little bit. You say, honey, I'm not just being lazy, I'm not just <laughs> not taking it to the... To the Christmas tree depot, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, creating, the a yes, I'm creating a habit. Look at me. Look at, look at what I'm doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you, have to, you have to find a positive. What's that? You have to find a positive, right? Of course, of
5: course. Yeah. No, it's a great idea. I mean, it is, it's not even an excuse. It's a good idea. I just also wanted to mention that if you have your bird feeding stations on the north side of your house during the winter, especially if they're exposed to west winds, that can really be hard for the birds because, of course, they have to keep their little gas tanks full. And so if they're trying to feed in the wind, then they have to eat that much more to, to keep their gas tanks full. So I recommend if you can possibly move the feeders to the south side of your buildings... Okay. So hopefully you have a window where you can watch from the south or the east and just having them, giving them that added warmth on a sunny day and shelter out of the wind is critically important. Okay. And one last thing about shelter is from predators, shelter from, protection from predators. I have sat on my deck here and watched the shinned hawk just come in and pick a chickadee right off the bird feeder, but I have this catoneaster shrub. And so the chickadees have learned that they take the sunflower seed and they go and eat it in the Cotone aster tree. Yeah. So any little shrub is super important to protect these little birds from predators. I mean, not that the predators don't, you know, they have to eat too, but it is just an added. Uh, component
4: <coughs> yeah, you don't want to set them. up. You don't want to set up the predator station for them <laughs> and really. feel like you're <laughs> you're baiting them for the yeah. for the hawks. And yeah. we're not I got to yeah. take a quick break, so I'm yeah. just going to put you on hold, and then we'll come back. We we'll, we got a few texts. And uh, we'll see if we can get a couple callers to call in as well. Um, so Myrna and I are going to take a quick break. Uh, if you'd like to join us after the break, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And... I'm going to bring Myrna back on the line. I got a couple of texts here for you, Myrna, uh-huh. um, that we'll start with, and then we'll we'll continue on with a few other things that we want to cover because it is it's an important thing, especially going into winter, and they're also great Christmas ideas if you're looking to to get somebody um, something that a gift that keeps giving. So we'll we'll chat about that as well. Um, so it says, "Good morning." I have a standalone bird bath under my tree and was wondering if there's anything to put in the water that is safe to stop it from freezing. And great show as always. Merry Christmas. So thanks for the text. So Myrna, what, I know there's uh, those heaters. Uh, so what, what, do you get, what do you think?
5: Yeah, you, pr- you need to have a, a heater put in it. And so you can uh, just get, a, actually, probably the best thing to get is just a commercial bird bath that's got a heater built right into it. Or you can get small heaters. You can buy them at the Wild Bird stores that you just sit in to keep the water open, like the little yeah. elements that you put in. But Yeah, need and we, to have- we've
4: had the Wiggler, and then we had the heaters, um, the little portable heaters that you can put in um, with them. Um, or the or the electric dog bowls, I guess, and people yes, yep. stick rocks in there if you're looking for something. I, we just yeah. found it really hard to find. We've been trying to source a reasonable-priced, uh, electric heater and we've had a hard time so it's been really oh. hard for us to f- to to source some so um we're, we're, we're going to be on that mission again here but it's been so hard with the supply chain and then out right. of the states they're just getting eaten up down there that there's seems to be not a lot available for us up oh, okay. here
5: Okay, well hopefully then uh, yes just a dog water dish and put a big yeah. rock in it the key is to have the water no deep, deeper than about an inch above the rock so the birds can sit on it and bathe, keep it filled. And actually, it's a good idea at this time of year to have part of the rock out of the water so they can sit on that and just take a sip. You don't want them to have to go in and get their feet wet. But if they want to oh. bathe, then they have to be able to get right into the water. Okay. And they will bathe yeah. on warm days, but not on, it's more important for them to have a source of drinking water than bathing water.
4: Absolutely. And I think they know whether they want to dive right in or not. Um,
0: <laughs> if yeah, it's so minus 30,
4: yeah, they tend not to. So, and got another one, another question here. It says, Good morning. Regarding the lard and peanut butter combo for birds, what is the ratio of lard to peanut butter? Good and
5: point. And thanks. Interesting yes, segue. Good point. I use about half and half.
4: Okay. So, CV, you just, just bring
5: a big scoop of lard, a big scoop of peanut butter, mix it all together, and put it on. Okay, just concern- mix it up
4: like you would uh just knead it together sort of thing get the heat from your it. hands. Well,
5: no, not your hands. Just take a wooden spoon. So I okay. have yeah, just I have a bowl and I just mix it together. But once the supply of peanut butter or lard goes down, if you have the a jar of it, then you can just put one, you know, ingredient in the other and just mix it right inside that jar. It's not really rocket science, but I use half and half. There has been concern about peanut butter choking (laughs) the birds. I think that's unfounded, but it is. It's still, they really do love this peanut butter lard mixture.
4: Well, I think it, 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 I guess some people may think because it's, you know, if you put a little bit too much peanut butter on your sandwich and you kind of get that, (laughs) it sticks (laughs) to the top of your mouth and you're like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, uh, which is never good. Okay, I got another question here. It says, can you ask Merle if the if um, or ask Myrna if the price of birdseed is going to be keep going up this winter? Because I know the last couple of years there where there was a shortage last year, and the price did go up a bit, and then logistics. But the nice thing is when dealing with Chinridge too, which we do, is it, they are local, so we yes. we're kind yes. of eliminating that. And,
5: it's, and that brings me—that's a good segue into don't buy the junky birdseed. Right, don't buy this stuff from the hardware store that's full of milo or millet, and sometimes they even have wheat or oats in them. None of our birds eat that. It just is wasted on the ground. So you can use the mixtures like the shelled seeds, so no mess mixtures. And so it's expensive, but there's no waste, so the birds yeah. eat it all.
4: And, the first and-, person, and I see so many people coming in and buying it, and they just... Um, They understand it because at first it seems expensive, but it's so much better. You buy that great big bag. It looks like you're getting a great deal. You get a big bag for 18 bucks or whatever it is. Yeah. And you fill it in, and more than half of it is sitting on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. And then you have that mess of of stuff in the ground. And yeah. with this, they eat all of it. And whatever goes on the ground, the sparrows get. The bigger birds take it out of the feeder. So it's it works really well.
5: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely, it is well worth the extra money to buy the good quality seed. In terms of price, I'm thinking there are supply chain issues as well. It is great that Chinridge has sources much of their material locally, so that's great. Um, but there's some so things I you guess, can't,
4: like the peanuts and things like that. They're just they're not growing here, so it's, yeah,
5: no, certainly. But so with some it, of the things have the to come. Seeds. So I just say stock up now. <laughs> Uh, get as much as you can and just store your seed in metal garbage cans. That's the ideal way to store them. Squirrels can't get in. Water can't get in. They can, they'll last a long time if you just store them that way.
4: And cool and sorry, to freeze outside, there, like if you had them in the garage or something like that, that's if it's fine. unheated. Yeah, totally that's fine. fine.
5: Yeah, totally Kay. fine. As long as they're Kay. waterproof and squirrel-proof.
4: Okay, and when I... Oh, I, I, actually, the picture didn't come in. I had someone uh, sending me a picture. It says, Hi, hey, Merle, this is Fred. He lives in the River Valley in Lethbridge. He intercepts me on my morning walk and grabs a peanut or two. Love your yeah. show. I didn't get the picture, so maybe if you could try to resend that. and it's
5: probably a chickadee.
4: Yeah. I, and and I got. Is, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh,
5: I'm just no, saying chickadees will will readily learn to take seed out of your hand and i just think that's the best experience that anyone can ever have especially for children there's just no experience like it to have them have a little chickadee land on their hand and take some seed
4: actually yeah we should try that at the store cause we do have because we have brad has the bird f- um, feeders going pretty steady oh, um, yeah. in the back by our perennial house actually that'd be a that'd be a fun little segment and uh if Lisa's listening, maybe we could do that on our social media. We'll do it. Instagram will... Uh,
5: yeah, it takes we'll, a while we'll, for them to, to learn to do that. But once you've got them, once they know you're a food source and no danger, they will readily come in and take seed out of your hand. It's a wonderful okay.
4: thing. Okay. Okay, and here's another question. It says, good morning. I have a hanging bird feeder, but my question is, the food I use in the summer is probably not best for winter. What should I switch to? Might have missed... The suggestion. Okay. I noticed the I'm chickadees not sure. love to sit on the front tree. Um, but if you're using the sunflower, and this is yeah. just, I think I could probably, um, it's good to use year round. Like that's a great year round quality bird seed.
5: Absolutely year round quality bird seed. P- not year round suet. You don't want to serve the. I don't generally serve suet in the summer because it can go rancid. But certainly for the seeds, just. If you're just going to go with a single seed, then do sunflower seeds shelled or unshelled. So the little birds, like the chickadees, can sit in a tree branch and hack open the sunflower shell, but the red poles cannot. And so the red poles, which have now descended en masse, they've come down from the Arctic, and they're at most everybody's feeders, they like the shelled sunflower seeds or niger seed or even canola. Okay. And Chinridge has the bird's choice heartland finch. So that finch feed is good also for the red poles, of course they're finches.
4: Okay. And here's one more question. It says, is shortening the same as lard to mix with peanut butter to feed the birds?
5: No, shortening is oh, I'm not an authority on shortening. I believe shortening is vegetable fat vegetable oil and lard is animal fat. So just use the tender flake, you know, just get the lard if you're worried at all. Now, I have experimented with Crisco this winter, and the birds love it, uh, but I'm not sure that there are some concerns about human health eating Crisco, so I'm just putting that out there. So if you're worried about it, just get lard, the tender Just flakes. plain
4: old, this good old, good old lard. lard. Now I yes. I think, um, hey, Renee, should I just keep going to the 58? And I Okay. Yeah, uh, sorry, I went over my one, and then Renee just said we can just keep going right till the end. we got lots of texts coming in, so we might okay. as well, well keep this going if you're good, Myrna. Yes, I just don't um, want
5: to forget to tell everybody about the upcoming Christmas bird count.
4: Okay, why don't we do that right now? We've okay. got kind of an in-between, and then that'll take us to the end, and then if you hang out till after the break, we'll, we'll do a few more. Um, we'll do another segment or so Certainly. on birds. It seems to be yes. quite popular today, so that's great.
5: Okay, I'm happy to do that. Okay, so, so what, what, one... what's on
4: the bird count?
5: Yes, so every year a Christmas bird count is held around Christmas time. This year in the Calgary area and in most other major cities in Alberta, it's going to be on December 19th. Now, it's important for people to participate in the Christmas bird count because it is the longest running and largest bird census in the world. It started, it has a super interesting history. Some of our ancestors and some of the pioneers, of course, that settled this country, loved to kill things. And so they actually had a tradition called the Christmas side hunt. They go out Christmas Day and shoot everything they could find. The group that came back with the biggest pile of dead things got the prize. In 1900, there was a fellow by the name of Frank Chapman with the Audubon Society said, well, you know, I really disagree with this practice. How about we go out and count the birds instead of shooting them? thus started the Christmas bird count. It started with just 27 people, 25 counts across North America. Now there are tens of thousands of people around the world that do this count. And so I really encourage people, you can get out and walk in the woods and count, or you can just count at your feeders. If you go on naturealberta.ca, that's naturealberta.ca, under the events tab, there is a listing of all the bird counts throughout Alberta, and there's, there's a link there to the contact person. Awesome. So these circles are 24 kilometers <coughs> across. There's a count coordinator who gets everybody, you know, he knows where
4: everybody
5: is. Sorry, Myrna, How I'm
4: going to take a quick break. Okay. Sorry, I just got a break for news and we'll finish up. Sure. But um, yeah. people can we will we'll we'll mention the website right when we come back. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break for the news. You're listening to Let's Talk Birding on 770 CHQR. <laughs>
0: Mostly cloudy and minus 6 in downtown Calgary. Good morning. From Global News, it's 10 o'clock. I'm Jeff Smith. A Calgary City Councillor is hoping to tackle an issue that came up during the campaign, street racing. Global's Michael King reports Ward 10 Councillor Andre Chabot is bringing forward the issue. Instead of just increasing a police presence, which is outlined in the notice of motion, Councillor Chabot says the city also needs to provide an outlet for people to test their vehicles. Now, he says since the Race City Speedway was closed more than a decade ago, drivers have been looking for an outlet to race. Since there's no legal space for racing, Chabot says the problem has spilled out onto residential streets, making it dangerous for those taking part, as well as others in the community. Sheba was hoping for a sanctioned event in an industrial area with a registration fee to cover off concerns like insurance and having emergency services on hand. Pope Francis says he's praying for the victims of the deadly storms that ripped across the American Midwest Friday night. The death toll stands at 36 across five states, but officials fear more than 100 may have actually died. In fact, Kentucky's governor is warning his state's death toll alone could top 100. Rescuers in an increasingly bleak search are picking through the splintered ruins of homes and businesses, including a candle factory that was bustling with night shift employees when it was flattened. Authorities yesterday reported rescuing 40 of the 110 people in the building at the time. But by today, Governor Andy Bashir said it would be a miracle if anyone else were rescued. The federal Liberals are slated to use an upcoming update on the health of federal finances to provide more details on proposed tax measures of luxury cars, planes and yachts and another measure on foreign-owned vacant homes. Bruce Ball with the Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada says some of the measures are supposed to kick in on January 1st leaving businesses little time to prepare for the changes. Finance Minister Christian Freeland will deliver the economic and fiscal update on Tuesday. Some research going on globally is looking into using psychedelics to treat mental health issues. And one Alberta company is looking at this as a commercial opportunity and banking on the use of synthetic psychedelics becoming the next big thing. CEO of Psygen Danny Motika tell, uh, says psilocybin mushrooms brought him out of depression.
3: As we
2: progress and we kind of accept that these substances can be used in a context and the benefits that weigh the harms, you know, this whole movement in taking a drug that has been considered so dangerous, when we start to accept that maybe all of that has been untrue, we need to kind of look at prohibition under a completely different
0: lens. Otiga expects to be licensed in 2022. Anne Rice, the gothic novelist, widely known for her best-selling novel Interview with the Vampire, died late yesterday at the age of 80. Her son Christopher announced her death on social media. Her most famous work was first published in 1976 and later adapted into the 1994 movie starring Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. And it's set to be adapted again as a TV series next year. In sports, Grey Cup Sunday. The Tiger Cats are playing in their home stadium in Hamilton against the defending champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You can catch it on 770 CHQR. The pregame show starts at 3. NHL, the Flames lost to the Bruins 4-2. Global News Sky Tracker weather, partly cloudy today with a 60% chance of flurries, high minus 2. Down to minus 12 tonight. Tomorrow becoming cloudy with a chance of flurries, high minus 5. Tuesday, snow and a high of minus 14. Wednesday, sunshine and minus 10. It's minus six at 10 Oh four breaking news. When it happens, our next scheduled update at ten I'm Jeff Smith.
4: Welcome back to let's talk gardening. i Coombs. If you'd like to join, um, we're chatting birds this morning, which are an important part of our garden. So it fits really well in the garden. And, uh, and we'll chat about what kind of plants, maybe the plant to help with birds. And uh, Myrna was just um, telling us about the Winter Bird Council. Maybe we'll just rehash that out a little bit and and get the website again, because that's a fun thing if we could all participate in that and uh, and discuss um, all the birds that are in our great province here and then all over the world. So, um, Myrna, so one is fill us back in on, on the on the website and sort yes, of a, certainly. a quick little version of how we can participate in that fun event.
5: Yes. So go on naturealberta.ca and under the events tab and look for Christmas bird counts around the province and connect with the coordinator in your count circle. The Calgary count is on December 19th. Most other counts are as well, but some other areas of the province there, they're in subsequent weekends. So, usually held on a Saturday or a Sunday. And okay. so naturealberta.ca events. And it's a wonderful way for people to participate. It's, there are, are some protocols to follow, but it's not difficult. And you can just watch your feeder birds. So you don't have okay. to go Okay, and is
4: it a, a certain time of the day, so it's sort of synchronized, or is it just sort of...
5: Well, they, you have to track when you watch, but it's between 9 and 5.
4: And then there's okay. actually the owling component after five if people want to go out and look for owls. Those are awesome. We had, uh, you usually get, a, there's a couple of big owls that hang out down by Spruce It Up along the fish, on the on the Pine Creek there. Uh-huh. And then also I live by the river in Cranston, Riverstone in Calgary, and there's an owl that it comes and perches quite often on top of the houses here, just at oh, dusk oh, like awesome. you are saying. Yeah. yeah, so it, it it's kind of cool. Um Great. I got another question here. I think we kind of answered this, but not really. Um, good morning. What are your thoughts on winter birdhouses? I saw this on Alberta Birds Facebook page, where it is to provide winter shelter for birds like chickadees. Thanks, Karen.
5: Yes. So those are winter roosts, and I was involved about 15 years ago with promoting winter roosts. It looks like a birdhouse, but the hole is at the bottom and then there are some um, little steps that birds could climb up to and roost in. It has been shown that putting the hole at the bottom is not a great idea because all the cold air comes in. So in most cases, birds can find their own roosting areas. One of the most important roosting spots for many of our cavity nesters, and even many small birds, are old natural cavities. So, if you have an old dead tree in your forest and it's got a hole in it that cavity will be used as a motel room by chickadees at night so it's a good idea to just leave those old dead snags up they're very important the other thing you can do is you can put out a birdhouse or just leave your birdhouses in your yard And it's been found that chickadees will actually roost if you leave house wren nesting sticks in. So house wrens are little brown cavity nesters. The little male will go around and fill a whole bunch of potential nest sites with sticks. And then the female will come along and choose one, and they will use that to raise their family. Most people just pull the sticks out of those other nest boxes, of course, so they can be used by other birds. And in the one that they do choose to to complete the okay. nest will be filled to the top with sticks, and it has been found that chickadees will go in sometimes and roost in those old house wren nests. So oh, there's wow. not a specific nest that you can build to put out for the birds in the winter. They they don't use them that often, but natural cavities are more important. So,
4: so we don't have to insulate and and put a little heater in them or anything ah. like that. <laughs> a condo, a little
5: yeah. Well, I'm- Yeah, no, you don't have to do that. These birds are tough. They're incredibly tough.
4: Yeah, it always amazes me, even when you see the geese out on the river, like, I'm amazed at the amount of geese, like, around down by the river here, and they're just down there in the water, minus 10 out, doesn't bug them one bit, they just land in the water and and uh, splash down, they gulp <laughs> down, whatever they're doing. And, yeah, uh,
5: no, it, these these creatures are amazing. And I think we were actually going to talk a little bit about red poles, which is a great yep. segue into the hardiest bird on the planet is the little red pole. And I know many people in Calgary will have them at their feeders now. They nest in the Arctic, and they come down to Alberta and further south for the winter. Okay. And their adaptations are nothing short of staggering. So they keep their body temperature, internal body temperature, at about 40 degrees Celsius, which is 104 degrees Fahrenheit. When it gets cold out, they can survive to minus 65 degrees Fahrenheit, 54 Celsius. Sometimes there is a 73 degree Celsius, 169 degree Fahrenheit difference in temperature between their little bodies and the outside air. And what protects them is a 0.6 centimeter, which is 15/64 of an inch, layer of feathers. I mean, that's <laughs> absolutely staggering that they can survive. So, what they do in the afternoons at the feeder, you'll see them just gorging on food, and they have special um, esophageal tracts, and these esophageal tracts get just jammed full of food. So, they, wow. it's like this huge intestine inside their little bodies, packed with seeds. Then if it's super cold, they'll plunge under the snow, they'll make a little tunnel, and then those seeds will digest overnight, and that's how they can survive. They can survive 20 hours without eating, as long as those little esophageal pouches are jammed full of food. That's awesome. It is incredible. Um,
4: Myrna, I'm going to take a quick break, and then that way we have some callers after. Okay. We'll take some callers. And, uh, and then w- that way we have a little bit longer on the segment to go ahead and, uh, and answer some questions, which sure. is great. Um, and you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Merle Coombs, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up, Calgary's Christmas and bird destination. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And we got Myrna Pierman, and she's from Chinrid Seeds here, and she's a naturalist and birding expert here in Alberta. So welcome back, Myrna. Thank you. And we have a couple of callers that are going to join us here. We're going to go to Ken. Ken. Good morning, Ken. Morning. How are you two? We're doing great. Um, How can we How can we help you this morning?
1: Well, actually, I uh, I'm a big bird fanatic myself. I got seventy four birdhouses on the property, and uh, wow, one of the things I do is I buy a lot of bird seeds, and I buy it Canadian Tire because they have it all year round. So. I spend on the average $200 a year on birdseed, and I I put them in five-gallon pails with the lids on when I buy them, and I put them in the greenhouse, and it it keeps me going all winter. But uh, I find I don't buy the top quality. I I, I buy the kind of medium stuff, and I find I've I've taken several logs, and I've drilled an inch-and-a-half hole into them, you know, about 15 holes per log, and I will mix the cheaper birdseed with the peanut butter. And there's no waste whatsoever. They they'll have that thing cleaned up like nobody's business. Um, but uh, I find that works good for me. And uh, you kind of create your own suet balls, sort of thing. Pretty much, and it, it works really, really good. And uh, I've got them trained where. I made a plywood cutout of myself and put my, my own picture on it, my face, <laughs> and after about, it took about three days before they'd come on and eat out of the, the hand of this plywood cutout, and once they got used to it, I removed the cutout, and I stood out there, and within a half an hour or so, I had birds standing on my shoulder, my head, eating out of the palm of my hand, because they, they, they recognized my face, and they, they weren't afraid of me at that point. So
5: That's a great idea. It, it, I would just caution with the mixture. Um, when I was researching my book, Backyard Bird Feeding in Alberta Guide, mm-hmm. which by the way is available at Myrna Myrna www.MyrnaPierman.com. Mm-hmm. Just anybody's interested in my my book, The Backyard Bird Feeding in Alberta Guide. The researchers found that if you especially put sunflower seeds in those mixtures, the greasy mixtures, Mm -hmm. then the birds have a hard time actually pecking them open because they're so greasy they can't hold onto them. Now if you roll the smaller seeds in, I guess they would kind of inadvertently eat the seed with the peanut butter suet mixture. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's just something to be cautious of. I have always recommended not mixing seeds with suet, but I mean if you've had success at that, well that's great.
1: It's it's, it's, it's just would uh, be better you, to
5: not put whole sunflower seeds in, because yeah, they can't open is, them.
1: This mixture is all it's all shelled, so yeah. uh, it, 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 it's it's pretty small small stuff. It's not whole seeds or anything like that there. And I, I've been doing it for years, and they'll I put awesome. up about three logs and with all these holes in it, and they'll they'll have one log cleaned up almost in a day. And the woodpeckers just go crazy for it. So
5: yeah, that uh, is a great idea, just a suet log. So it is mm-hmm. easy. Just take a. Little piece of tree trunk or a branch, and put some holes in it. Yeah, good Are, they,
1: they, they, they are
4: you going to participate? Sorry, are you going to participate in the bird count?
1: Uh Ken? I it's, <laughs> around my place when you got seventy four bird houses, it, it's hard to count because I mean there are these things. The birds <laughs> occupy these things all winter. They continuously are building nests. I mean, it's they're, they're so picking up are, many feathers. And you have sparrows then, there? What birds? M- do you m- have? Mostly sparrows. I get a lot yeah. of blue jays come in. But uh, okay. mo- mo- mostly sparrows, and I mean they're 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 pulling string and feathers and everything. They're going in and out, you know. They will take a lot of the old stuff out, I see, and they'll bring in new stuff on a regular basis. And yeah. uh, um, no, it's and I mean I got two owls out here, and they uh, they they kind of keep an eye on things, you know. Yeah, but, uh,
5: <laughs> and that's great right. if you like house sparrows. Of course, house sparrows are introduced pest birds that will yeah. kill the bluebirds and the tree swallows. There are, there are a lot of us that would rather not have them in our yard just because they're not introduced and they're pests. Yeah. However, many people do enjoy them, and so that's great if you do enjoy them.
1: Well, they, um, they, they keep the bugs down. I mean, the aphids and all this down in the summertime, so I'm not about to discourage them away just because they may be a nuisance bird. I mean, they're... Uh, they're yeah, they're, some yeah.
5: gardeners complain, though, too, that they, they cause lots of damage, especially peas. They have a great appetite for peas.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, the neighbor's awesome. cat well, got a great appetite for my garden too, so I mean, yeah. it's, uh, uh, I'll stay with my birds for now. So I just to yeah, awesome. throw that all at you. Thanks. Also, thanks, Ken. Appreciate Enjoy the program. Thank you. Okay, thank all you. right. Bye. All right.
4: And I got. I'll mix in one text here, Myrna. Hi, Myrna. I bought some bird seed with black sunflower seeds and mix of other seeds. Birds. The birds aren't eating it.
5: You know, this is the the most common question. I put out seeds and the birds don't eat it. So what I would recommend is, I don't know what the other bird seed is. Maybe it's just, like we said, the the seeds that they don't like, the milo and the millet and maybe canary grass seed, which not, red poles will eat, but lots of other species won't. My recommendation is just go then with the sunflower seeds and supplement that with shelled sunflower seeds. Put out the unshelled and shelled together and just watch. Because any bird that comes into a backyard bird feeding station will eat shelled sunflower seeds. That is the number one. They love it. So just observe. Chances are that other stuff you've got in your mixture is, is just not palatable.
4: Okay. All right. Well, let's go to the phone line. we got Thomas on the line. Good morning, Thomas.
6: Good morning. How are you doing?
4: Good, good. How can we help you this morning?
6: I'm a lifelong bird watcher. I've been bird watching ever since I was a young boy, as far back as my memory goes. And I have participated in the bird count, and I highly recommend it. I, I, we, one year we saw a goshawk which was extremely exciting. Awesome. Yeah. A um, couple of things I wanted to comment on. I was out to spruce it up, I believe it was Friday evening, and um, I bought another bird feeder. I have a bird feeder that he sells there. It's an octagon shape, and yeah. it's cut what looks like a bronze top and a bronze bottom. And are you familiar are you with what I'm talking about? It's a $99 feeder? Yeah. Okay, I bought one, I think, two years ago. And I've been buying <clears throat> bird seeds ever since bird feeders for, like, 40 years. And that's the all-time best feeder I've ever had in my life. It's really easy to fill. All you got to do is pull that cone-shaped thing back. Yeah, it, it holds a large capacity of bird seed, so you don't have to continuously refill it. And I hang it right in front of the kitchen window, so the birds fly right up to the kitchen window, and uh, I can watch them right there. It's, it's, I, I would highly recommend anybody listening that's thinking about buying a bird feeder to go out to your place and buy that. That's that's the all-time best bird feeder I've ever seen in my life. It's, it's awesome. highly recommended.
4: And it's and there is nothing better and even if you're not a bird person per se, but as a it's a great Christmas gift. If you wanna just watch like look outside in your yard, it's it's so awesome watching birds. Like it's just it's so cool. So that's exactly and
6: what that's, I did about, I bought my second one on Friday and I, I mailed it out to my sister <laughs> in Toronto who also feeds birds. Oh nice.
5: I would right, just like to that say that's a great Christmas. idea to make yeah. sure that you have that these large capacity feeders are a great idea. And do not buy the cheap little plastic ones that flip around in the wind and all the seeds get blown out and the birds can't really balance on. So that's a great idea. It's a good idea to go with good quality.
6: Yeah, it's a very, very good feeder.
4: Okay, and Thomas, are you, you're going to participate this year in the count again? or?
6: I'm, I'm hoping to. It's been a few years since I have. I'm going to try to see if I can bring my wife along. She's never done that. <laughs>
4: Good,
5: well, I, I hope have another,
6: you do. I had a question, though. Uh, my biggest frustration in feeding the birds is the black squirrels. And yeah. um, I don't know what to do about them. The, the one thing I can say about this feeder is I hang it from a hook from the eaves, and the yeah. squirrels have never been able to get into it.
4: <laughs> yeah, because if you have it in the right spot... the squirrel oh,
6: proof. If you nice. hang it from your eaves, it's 100% squirrel proof.
5: Well, that's a good idea. The other thing you can buy are those weight-activated feeders that work very well. Yeah. So it's just basically got a setup on the bottom with a heavy bird or a squirrel lands on it. They actually pull the shroud over the portal so they can't access it. I've watched the squirrels here, and they can't get that. But that's a good idea, hanging under a feeder or a, a soffit.
6: Okay. Thank you very much. Oh, perfect.
4: Thanks, Thomas. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate okay. it. Okay. All next. right. Yeah, and I think that one's called the Squirrel Buster. I'm pretty sure we yeah, have that yeah. one. Oh, do you? In stock okay, yeah. Well.
0: Yeah. Those are and great here's enjoy them. Uh,
4: someone else has sent in uh, a picture. It says homemade bird bath with a garage safety lamp, a pile of bricks, a Pyrex, a Pyrex cake pan, and use the appliance bulb to wrap the light with duck insulation to keep it underneath. So they have it underneath there, and it just heats this uh, sure. little pot of water. Um, My (laughs) only thing I'd say, yeah, and the Pyrex actually is bad, but you might want to throw a rock or two in the middle. This thing—I know you can't see it, Myrna—but it's like a cake pan. But I think if you put a rock or two in the middle, like you're saying, you just don't want it too deep for them to to get in there. They they have
5: something to to stand on. The other idea is to get an old—go to the secondhand store and buy an old electric frying pan. That's what Winnie Ellis of the Ellis Bird Farm did for decades. She just had the electric frying pan, turned it on very low, put a rock in the middle, and that was her bird bath for the winter. <laughs> so that's pretty cheap uh, and easy.
4: Yeah, <laughs> but it sounds like this is a very I, I was creative just saying, way of- I, I think of uh, Elmer Fudd and uh, and always trying to get the Bugs Bunny to jump in the pot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You want to make sure someone doesn't turn it up on you. Um, yeah,
5: well, that's uh, true. That's true. Yeah, you have to keep it on very
4: low. Okay, here's another bird question. It says, I pour out bird food into a tray, which robins adore, but it layers, but it layers of snow, food, and snow. Any tips for maintaining the open food source? And PS, yeah, yes, squirrels it- eat their an abundant of garden because they're happy all, at all the feeders. So.
5: Okay, so yeah, an open tray feeder, you just have to cover it. So you can buy what's called a fly-through feeder. So it's just a covered feeder that's open on both sides. And so the birds can just access it without the snow getting on it. That is the issue with the open feeders. And robins will still come into a a fly-through feeder.
4: Okay, and then here's another question. I got lots of questions, so this is great. (laughs) Great. Uh, It says, about the peanut butter and lard mixture, what do you put it into?
5: Well, then I just mix it together, and just like we had Ken talk earlier, you just put it on a suet log, so you can buy them, or you can just drill holes into a hunk of wood. That's what I've got. And just slather the, the mixture right on to, onto it. The other yeah, thing we, I do... We have,
4: we have those logs at, at the store for sale. Okay. We have a local Good. person, yeah. um, Tanya and her daughter, they, they build these log feeders okay. for us. and uh, Yeah,
5: suet log. Uh, the other yeah. thing you can do, if you don't mind the mess, is apply it just on the on a tree trunk, a spruce tree trunk. Now, it's unsightly because it, it oozes yeah. and it melts. It doesn't look great, but that's what I call bark butter, and lots of species will come and feed right off the
1: tree trunk.
4: Okay. Are you able to hang out again for a bit after the break, Myrna? Yes, absolutely. All right. Yeah, we got lots of texts and stuff, so we might as well keep this going. Sure. That's um, all right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, if you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. We'll continue to talk some birding this morning on 770-CHQR.
0: Mostly cloudy and minus 6 in downtown Calgary. Good morning. From Global News, it's 1030. I'm Jeff Smith. Ward 10 Councillor Andre Chabot says street racing is a growing issue that needs to be addressed. He's bringing forward a notice of motion, calling for a police crackdown, but he also wants to explore options that could provide an outlet for fast car owners through a sanctioned racing event. He also hopes to ask the province to reconsider its freeze on new photo radar locations. It's down to two as the UCP seeks a candidate to fill Layla Goodridge's former seat in the legislature. Former Wildrose leader Brian Jean and Fort McMurray economist Joshua Gogo are vying to be the party's candidate in the by-election for Fort mcmurray Lackla bish Members are voting this weekend. The by-election will be needed after Goodridge resigned to run federally for the Conservatives. A Harvard professor from the former Soviet Union claims he has a solution to help fix Canada's already struggling healthcare system. Eugene Litvak says asking Canadian surgeons to work weekends would ease the hospital surgical backlog, an approach that's already working in Ontario. The University Health Network adopted the system and says it's already shaved hundreds of procedures off its surgical wait list. Some healthcare professionals estimate backlogs likely won't be cleared until March of 2023. There's a global race on to secure manufacturing commitments for electric vehicles and the supply chains to match. Major U.S. auto companies have made some big spending promises, but industry players say Canada still has a lot of work to do to build up the rest of the supply chain. Matthew Forche heads an industrial alliance called Accelerate. He says the country can't delay anymore as competition increases. Federal and provincial governments have stepped up efforts with tax breaks and funding, but industry advocates say they also need to do more to boost demand. Partly cloudy today with a 60% chance of flurries. West wind gusting to 40, a high of minus 2. Down to minus 12 tonight. Tomorrow, chance of flurries and a high of minus 5. It's minus 6. Breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news at 11. I'm Jeff Smith.
4: Good morning and welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. If you want to join Myrna and I, we are talking some birding. Uh, 403-974-8255. And Myrna, I got one quick text, and then we do have Marilyn on the line. We'll go to her right after this question. It says, good morning, all. I have a bird question. I have a mixture of pumpkin seeds, sunflower, and cranberries. If the cranberries are finely chopped and placed in the feeder with other seed, are they okay for the small birds as well as the bigger ones? Thank you and love all the information on our sweet feathered friends.
5: Aw. Yes, What's your absolutely. On that? Cranberries are super fine. Yep. In fact, Tin Ridge has cranberries in some of their mixtures, so cranberries are a fine offering. I wouldn't they, worry about uh, chopping them up that fine either. The birds know what they can eat, and they can just peck them. So great idea to add cranberries. And pumpkin seeds now, I don't know. They may have to be chopped up or cracked up, maybe in a food processor, because they're pretty, I'm not sure how easy it is, if a chickadee could hold a pumpkin seed very easily in its claws, so they might have to be pounded up a bit. But it sounds like a good combination.
4: No, nice. And uh, and and that's what I do like about a lot of the new ornamental um crab apples. Like when people come in and we mention crab apple, they get kind of that that look in their face. Right. Like they think of the old doggles and the big mosh pit underneath your tree. Yeah. But a lot of these new ornamental ones like the gladiator and uh, there's a few other ones that in the starlight, they're just tiny little berries, very, very small fruit. But it's great, it hangs on the tree over the winter and it gives the birds a little snack. They can just go on there and they don't make a mess, is, they can eat them throughout the winter and go on your trees and things like that. So it's great.
5: That's a great idea. And I would highly recommend if, that everyone consider putting that in their yard, some of those trees in your yard, because the waxwings will come in if there's robins or. Many species will depend on those berries, so persistent berries are very important food source.
4: So the waxwings—they typically come. They they sort of start with January, February, or
5: I had a flock go over my house yesterday.
4: Yeah, and that's awesome. Like when they come in, they just come in like a big swarm. They eat up, and then they all go as a swarm. Like it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's
5: incredible. And of course, they love the mountain ash. They may love the these new varieties yep, of crab do. apples just as much but historically they have been yeah known to dine Mount on mountain ash berries yeah absolutely and they're great they're wonderful to have around cotone aster is another wonderful shrub i think yep. i've mentioned this before not only does it attract you know provide shelter here out in front of my house for my chickadees but those cotone aster berries are eaten by so many different species I've watched rose-breasted grosbeaks eat them. Purple finches, of course, the waxwings come in. Sadly, late last summer, the starlings came in and just stripped my tree bare. So that is Uh-oh. one issue with the berry trees. Is if we have starling, again, pest species, the European starlings, if they stay late in the season, they'll just strip many of the berries that some of our they native birds depend up, on. Eh? Yeah, yeah,
4: they just clean it up. All right, up. we got uh, Marilyn on the line, so we'll go to her. Good morning, Marilyn.
2: Um, I, uh, live in Sundry, and, uh, last year I moved in from the farm and always had lots and lots of birds, and the only thing I ever fed was black whale sunflower seeds. Well, I haven't until just recently been able to get some hooks put up to put some feeders on, and my neighbors all have feeders, but I haven't seen one bird at my feeder's. And I, the one I have at the front is, is actually one of those, those cheap plastic, plastic ones, but it's got purchase. But I bought a couple of new ones, and I might have the wrong feeders because they're, one is completely mesh, which I thought would be good for the chickadees, um, which I have not seen. And the other one has a mesh, sort of like a mesh front, but it does have a perch on it. But, um, and, and even though they're in places where I can't really see them, you know, it doesn't look like the seeds have really gone down much.
5: No. So probably there aren't that many birds around. I mean, it comes back to habitat. Are your other neighbours, do they have the birds feeding at their feeders?
2: I believe so. And I, I've got 14 spruce trees in my yard. Yeah. So I've got lots of trees, and um, but I just don't know if I've got the, you know, I need to go back to something that has more of a perch. I know there's blue jays around. I just saw a bird on my line, and I'm not sure what it was. It almost looked like oh. a dove, but they're not here this time. Of the oh, eurasian. yeah,
5: you could have eurasian colour doves. They have expanded throughout Alberta, and oh, they are quite it's common. Oh, kind of a
2: grayish color yeah. with a black tail.
5: Oh, it could and be... Does it and
2: it's not a pigeon. Like, my husband raised pigeons. I know what pigeons look like. But, yeah, it's, but it's a pigeon with a
5: long pigeon. tail? A fairly long tail. At yeah, the end so of the it could be a Eurasian collar dust.
2: Okay, and it yes. might have had a bit of a collar, although it yeah. didn't look like it went all the way around.
5: So I'll go back to your, sun, your seeds. I, yeah. I don't think there's a kind of a wrong feeder, because the birds just want to access the food. And so I would suggest what you do is switch to sunflower chips, medium chips. Maybe put out a tray feeder, an open tray feeder. Uh, Just put a few in so they'll see it. And also put out a suet log and get the peanut butter lard mixture going so that you're offering both the suet mixture and the seeds. And if the birds are around, if if they don't come to that, they're not coming to anything. (laughs) Yeah,
2: because like I've always... They had blackflower sunf- yeah. black oil sunflower seeds, and always had at the farm had lots of chickadees and right. And well, uh,
4: Marilyn, you're probably having a bit like the neighbors if they've been feeding steadily, maybe they find that there's a steady supply and they you have to attract them a bit more, like uh, they have like Maris saying, yeah. So give them that little bit of uh, that uh, you got to tempt them a bit, put them right over yeah. on that flat display, and, uh, and you get set some up of the those.
5: bistro, and and I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> If you've got the sunflower chips, that is so attractive to so many species, and putting it out in an n- open feeder, I've never they'll seen see it. those. The medium sunflower chips. chips. Yes, yeah, so that's uh, Chinridge supplies them, and you can get them in big bags. You can get fine chips or medium chips. It's just sunflower seeds that have been chipped. <laughs> They've been the, the hulls have been removed, and so it's expensive. But the birds don't waste anything. They they love it. They they'll just. It's a magnet for bird species, all kinds huh. of birds.
2: Yeah, because it's kind of disappointing. I've got now. Yeah. I now have three bird feeders out there, and no birds
4: coming. No. Yeah, it, it takes a bit. I know hey, I've yes, had the right, same issue before. It's just till you get them, till they get to know. Like I said, if they've had a steady supply at the neighbors, they just keep going to where they know. So you got to, you got to, you, you got to maybe step them. it up a bit. Yeah, step it up a bit, and then they'll be at your place. All right. <laughs> All right, thanks, Marilyn. Okay. Goodbye. Thank
2: you very much. Goodbye. Thank
4: you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, and we need to take a quick break, uh, Myrna, so we'll, we'll just do that and we'll come back. If you want to join us, phone lines are open, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening, and today we are doing a birding segment, which is a very important part of our garden, and uh, and uh, it's a great winter activity um, with our fine feathered friends. Have people said we got a, a caller, but we have a quick text that we'll do first, and then we'll then we'll go to Dwight on the phone line. Um, it says, "Good morning. If I use suet or a similar product, it attracts the magpies, which I detest." In the summer i had mice eating the shelled sunflower seed off the ground any ideas to prevent both magpies and mice
5: yes i have the answer for magpies Okay. now the most complicated thing uh, option is to simply hang the suet inside a wire mesh cage so if you can imagine you just put a cage around that's got chicken wire or even stucco wires. The smaller birds can get in, the magpies cannot get in. The other option is to take a, a hoop, so you can use not a hula hoop, but I generally just use a bicycle <laughs> rim. A bicycle yep. rim, put the, the rubber off. Hang wire down about every eight inches all around. And the magpies cannot get up into the suet. They'll, their wings will hit that wire and it will throw them off balance. They will not be able to get to it.
4: So actually, we sell two- these decorative rings that actually can put a post in the ground. Like they have a little stake, and use it. We use them to decorate for winter. Actually, they're like a size of a bicycle rim. They would work perfect for that. Oh, you there you hang go. Your, you can hang your suit. You can
5: stretch out metal coat hangers, and yeah. that will work. Doesn't look that pretty, but it will absolutely keep the magpies off. So okay. just to enclose it in a, a cage or use that something to keep them from landing on the suet:
4: they are pesky, but man, they're smart birds, like yeah, those they magpies are. are are smart like they I've seen them do some things, and they just they God those things are smart how they figure to get into things and and, and whatever they're doing yeah. it, it's actually kind of amazing It um, is,
5: but they are super yeah they're super annoying sometimes, okay in yeah. terms of the mice. So what I would recommend is, and I'm sure you sell it at your store, there's just a little wire mesh tray that you could yep. put under your feeders. So anything to intercept the, the seeds before it falls on the, the seeds fall on the ground. So, or move your feeders over so it, it's not actually on the ground. Like I have most of my feeders up over my deck for the winter, and so the seeds just fall on the deck, anything that's, that's thrown out or falls through.
4: And if you're and using the... I find that if you're using the good quality seed, the birds tend to go down on the ground, right? You'll have your ground feeders, like the sparrows or some of those ones. They're a lot of times on the ground right away, yeah. um, cleaning up any mess. mice
5: are just kind of like the magpies, you know? <laughs> they find a yeah. way if there's seed. But I would just like to do a shout-out for the mice. So I know people don't like mice generally. As long as your house is mouse-proof, well, then you're contributing to biodiversity because chances are you will have... At little, maybe a soft wet owl will come in, or if a fox comes through the neighbourhood, they'll find the mice. And so I think we don't have to just disparage the poor mice outright. If, if they can't get in your house, then really they're not causing any great harm. Yep.
4: That's my helped, for uh, the feed, mice. And then they help feed the other birds.
5: Yes. They're part <laughs> of the food chain. They're a very important part of the food chain.
4: Absolutely. All right. We're, let's go to the phone line. We'll, uh, we'll chat with Dwight. Good morning, Dwight.
6: Hey, good morning. Uh, I woke up this morning, looked out the window at the bird feeder, and there's three deer standing on their hind legs. (laughs) (laughs) Knocking them around. Yes. So
5: So the only way around that is to use, like, the, the same, the squirrel buster, the feeder so they can't lick the seeds out, or put the feeders high enough that they can't reach them. That's really the only option. They are incredibly adept at getting to feeders. And they not only put their feet up... Their tongues are incredibly long. Right.
3: Yeah. So they can just get in and we do and
4: have these the deer these deer kits. So you can get them they come with stakes and they can pound in the ground. And then you put up this deer fencing and you can put your feeders in the middle of uh, you can create like a perimeter to keep the deer out. Um, that might that might help you out. Depends oh, okay. how, how aggressive they want to get at it though. Because I've seen them bust through a fence before and things like that. So, um, like like uh, Myrna was saying, they're very uh, they're very innovative and they're and they're and they're very strong. So they can yeah, they can go through a lot of things. Yeah.
6: Well, if I put them any higher, I got to get a ladder to fill them all the time. Yeah,
5: unless you can get it on a rope. Some people just have it on a pulley and a rope, and then you lower it and fill it and pulley it back up and
4: hook That's it to a the good tree. Idea. That's yeah, cool you idea. can create one of those really quite easy. Get one of those little pulleys at the at the hardware store, have a roll hook to it, and just pull it up and down, and and then yes. you're good to go.
3: Okay, thank you. Okay. All right, thanks good for back. the call,
4: Dwight. Appreciate it. Yeah, bye. All right, and Myrna, I'm just going to take uh, one last break for the show, and then we'll finish up. Um, We've got lots of text that I'm going to read through, and if we get a caller, we'll go to that as well. Um, but you're listening to Let's Duck Garden on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and we got uh, a lot of text that we're going to read out here. So, Myrna, I'm going gonna, gonna to start uh, reading some text, and then um, oh, was it say? Oh, these geese were wearing downfalls. I think there was supposed to be a picture, but uh, oh, I don't see it. it. Says hi to the bird store. I used a five-gallon pail from Home Depot. Five dollars for the pail and the lid. You can buy the peanut butter. Um, uh, inexpensive as well, um, so yeah. So that's their their they're yeah, a Five gallon so, pail is a
5: great idea. I just buy them by the forty, my seeds by the forty pound bag. So it's just nice to set the bag into a garbage can. But yeah, five gallon pail works great. It's a little tidier, less unsightly than a garbage can too.
4: Yeah. Okay. What do red poles eat? Will they eat the shelled sunflower meal mix, or should we buy the finch feeder food? Okay, so
5: na, red poles will eat niger seed, yes, sunflower chips, canola, and canary grass seed. So Bird's Choice has the heartland finch mix. I'm sure you carry it. So they will, they will eat all of the seeds that are in that finch mix. So they can't open a, a sheld, an unshelled sunflower. Like they can't, like the chickadee, put it on a branch and peck it open. But if the seeds are cracked open, then they can extract the little nut meats. But they do love the sunflower chips. So they'll eat niger, sunflower chips, canola, and canary grass seed.
4: Okay. There's another text. Like I, said, I got quite a few. Have a flicker showing up daily to eat. However, it packs a lot of our trees. Is that okay for the tree?
5: <laughs> well, there are people are having issues with flickers. Not. I haven't heard anything in terms of trees and causing damage, but they can cause damage on buildings. They've caused quite serious damage in Calgary on some buildings. They'll pack holes. Yeah,
4: yeah they love going after the new acrylic stucco, like for some reason. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, one of the birds, I know sometimes the, when they're just pecking at them, getting the bugs out of the crevices of the bark is fine. Um, yeah. The yellow-bellied sapsucker does cause quite a bit of problem with the birch. Right, but um, it's not
5: here in
4: the winter. No, yeah. uh, but we so, do get lots of those in the summer, which yeah. cause... Wreak havoc on some of our birch trees, but I think for the most part those tree, like those ones, they're not sitting there um, doing big holes in trees. I think for the most part, it's like you were saying, it's more on the houses that we have an issue.
5: Right. And so I would just suggest for the flickers, give them lots of food. So they will turn their attention from the trees to... They can get something easier than pecking away at a tree. So they love suet mixtures, and they love the sunflower chips too. They will eat them readily, just gobble them up. I've watched them it's, on my deck here. They just turn their head sideways and stick out that long tongue and just rake in the seeds.
4: Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And I got one here from Dawn. Dawn from Nobleford. You're talking about sunflower seeds being the best all-around bird seed, and I agree. However... Make sure everyone understands that it is the black oil type that is preferred, not the striped sunflowers. Love the program.
5: Okay, so that's a good point. So way back when, the original sunflower was the striped sunflower. And back in the 40s, the Russians took those striped sunflowers and they did a whole bunch of selective breeding and they developed the black oil sunflower seed. And so when I wrote my first backyard bird feeding book in 1991, it was tough to get the black oil seed. Almost everybody still fed the striped seeds. Now, yep. the larger birds like the blue jays will readily go after the striped seed, but that's a good point. The the new developed small black oil seed is ideal. It's smaller, it's got more oil per gram, and it's easier for the smaller smaller birds to open. So I agree if you've got okay. the chickadees, you want use the, black, the small oil. black oil, yeah. Okay. Otherwise, the blue jays will still go for the striped and the larger birds.
4: Okay, and it says, "Hi, Merlin, Myrna. Thirty years ago, living in Southwood, I had a ton of evening gross beaks. Now in Woodbine for 32 years, have not seen one. I have a heated bird bath, lots of spruce deciduous trees for shelter, and a fly-through feeder um, with unshelled sunflower chips. Do they usually have a small area in their territory?" Any suggestions for attracting them to my area?
5: Okay. So the story of the evening grass beak. Charlie Ellis, who founded the Ellis Bird Farm, back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, would feed two tons of sunflower seeds every winter to the evening grass beaks. It was unbelievable. He had hundreds of evening grass beaks.
2: Okay.
5: Then in the 80s and 90s, they just basically disappeared. Nobody knows exactly what happened. could have had something to do with the spraying of the spruce budworm um, in the east. However, they virtually disappeared. I see a few of them once in a while here at my place. They'll come through. I know there's a healthy population of them down by Millerville, and I'm really happy. There's some people that feed birds down there, and they've got them. So not only were they possibly affected by the spraying of the spruce budworm, but they are afflicted by a mite, it's called a nematocopt. they get this nematocoptic mange, and so their feet fall off. And so they've been hard hit with this, this mange. And so there's nothing you can do to attract them other than do what you're doing, putting out the sunflower seeds. They will eat the shelled and unshelled. In fact, they love to, to crack open the shelled sunflower seeds. So I wish there was an easy answer. All we can do is hope that those small pockets uh the, the evening grass beaks will expand and you know eventually Come they'll repopulate the areas. Yeah. It's just it's awesome. one of those stories. Right. It's a very sad story. Okay, Myrna.
4: Um thanks so much for taking uh, a bunch of time out of your day today and sharing a okay, lot of I your bird knowledge. This. Yeah, and we'll um we're actually probably gonna try and do this maybe once a month or something um throughout the winter because g- birding and gardening go so good they together. Do.
5: Yeah,
4: yeah. And uh so anyways, thanks again Myrna. Okay. And uh and we'll be here in a month or so, but I'll be back next week, and we'll get our garden on right here on 770 CHQR.
2: Thank you.